Babe, that you love praising our amazing God forever, the King of Kings. Amen, family? Yeah, let's give it up for the Lord one more time. Hey, thank you so much for being here at Christ Fellowship. My name is Omar, and I serve as the lead pastor here at CF. And I want to welcome all of our campuses right now joining us all throughout Miami, watching us live, as well as everyone online on our social media platforms, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. In fact, family, let's go ahead and welcome them right now. Thank you so much for tuning in. You know, at the beginning of this year, we started a journey through the Gospel of Mark. And uh, we are actually concluding a series called Miracle Worker. And we have been looking at selected miracles in the Gospel of Mark. And we have been seeing that when Jesus did miracles, there was always a purpose. You know, there was always a lesson that he wanted to teach his, chil- his children. And so today we're going to be seeing and learning how when we fear we can always trust the Lord. And so I am ready and excited to dive into God's Word. I hope you are too. And so wherever you find yourself, open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 6, verse 45 through 50, and you can follow along with me as I read. Listen to what God's Word says. And immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida. And when the evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. And he meant to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost. And they cried out, for they all saw him and were what? That terrified. In other words, they were experiencing fear. In fact, everyone say fear with me. Everyone say fear with me. Yeah, because that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today, fear. So go ahead and take your seat at all campuses. And let me start off by sharing this with you. You know, many of you know that my mom and dad got divorced when I was very young, about one or two years old. And uh, we were living back in Puerto Rico. And during the weekends, my dad would come pick me up and I would spend some time with him. In fact, I have a picture of me and my dad when I was young back in Puerto Rico. There I am. I have blonde hair. And I always loved when he used to come pick me up because I knew we were going to go to Burger King. Yeah. And so that was the highlight of my week and always enjoyed spending time with him. But in 1991, my mom decided to move to Miami, and so my dad had a hard decision to make. And that was either to move to Miami where he had no friends, no family, no job, nothing, or move back to his home in the island of Cyprus in the Mediterranean where his family, his friends, and everything he knew was back home. And so then he made the hard decision of moving back home to Cyprus, And then every single summer, he would come and visit me in Miami and spend time with me. And uh, and during during that time when he was away, every week I would speak to him two or three times a week. And, you know, by the grace of God, I always had a great relationship with my father. He was a terrific dad, always loved me, encouraged me, provided for me. So even though my dad was far away for most of my life, you know, I've been really blessed by having really just a tremendous father. But when I got a little older... It was time for me now to go and visit over there. 
and specifically to London where I had a lot, a lot of, my, of my family were there and my grandparents were there. So my, my dad bought me a ticket, got myself a passport, I got my little suitcase and I went, and I went to the airport. And I remember load, you know, uh, stepping into this British Airways flight, you know, 747, those jumbo ones with a kind of hump in the front. And I remember sitting on the window seat and seeing two Rolls-Royce engines out there on the wings. I just always remember have that, remember that. And the plane took off and off I went. And family, when I got there, listen, everything was different. You know, to begin with, the language was different. You see, my family, my dad's family has a Turkish background, and so they spoke Turkish among themselves. To me, they spoke in English, but to them, I couldn't really understand what they were saying to each other, so that was different for me. Also, the religion it was different, right? I have a Christian background, and they have a Muslim background, so that was already different. The TV was different. Uh, the weather was different. And folks, people even were driving on the wrong side of the road. Yeah, so everything was different for me. And so, but during the day, you know, I had a really good time. You know, we went to sightseeing and I got to meet my cousins and hang out with them and meet my aunts. And it was always a great time. I have a terrific family over there in London. But family, I remember that when the night came and I went back to my grandparents' apartment and I went to my room and I laid in bed, Folks, this feeling of fear just flooded my heart. And to begin with, there was a huge ocean between me and my mom and my grandmother and everything I knew. And so while I was there, I was so fearful of so many things. You know, what about if something happened and me, I had to stay and live in Europe for the rest of my life? Or, or what, ha- what would happen if something happened to my grandmother who was elderly and I could not say bye to her, so that was a concern for me. Or something happening to my mom at work and I couldn't be there. And so as they laid down there on my bed, all these scenarios just flooded my mind. Things I just could not control. Family, when fear grabbed my heart, I remember every single night I would go to sleep crying. I would cry all night. I would toss and turn and those were just terrible, terrible moments for me. And family, don't miss this because I knew already at an early age that if I allowed fear to consume my heart, it would really have a huge impact in my life. And it would really, in many ways, control me. And family, let me just bring all that over to our time together because, folks, what an image of what fear does to you and I, even as adults. And by that, I mean that just like me as a little boy, listen, when fear came into my heart and consumed me to such a powerful degree, listen, just like that, and here's the big idea for today. When fear strikes your heart, when fear enters into our hearts, it begins to consume us in such a degree that it controls everything about us. And church family, I don't have to tell you that fear is a powerful emotion because fear could debilitate you, fear could paralyze you, you know, fear could discourage you, fear could depress you, fear could make you lash out in anger to those people who you love, and fear can even make you, lead you to make the wrong decisions in your life. 
And who knows, maybe you're out there right now, one of our campuses watching us online, maybe you're here. And you say, Omar, I'm tracking with you because I've experienced how fear can really take over my life. And when I think about those things I care about, my family, my finances, my health, all these different issues, and fear floods my heart, I've seen what a powerful, destructive emotion it could be. And so, Omar, why do we experience this thing called fear, and what can we do to overcome it? Well, we're going to find out from Mark chapter 6, all right? So if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 6. You can open up our Christ Fellowship apps and track there along with us as well. And today, church family, I have three thoughts for you on fear and how to overcome it, all right? So write this down as point number one. First of all, fear is brought by our inability to control the future, right? Our inability to control the future. Now, slip into the scene for just a moment. Because Jesus had just finished feeding the 5,000 that we covered last week. It was more like 20,000 people. And he showed them in that miracle that they can trust him to provide for them. In fact, Pastor Carlos did a phenomenal job teaching us last week. Can we give it up right now for him and just encourage him? Thank you, Pastor Carlos, for teaching us God's word. And now he was going to teach them that they can trust them, that they can trust him when fear enters their heart. And so listen to what happens in the very next verse, right after the feeding of the 5,000. It says this, Now immediately he made his disciples get into a boat, into the boat, and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up to the mountain to pray. Now, what we see here is that Jesus purposely sends his disciples by themselves, and they're crossing the northern part of the Sea of Galilee. In fact, this was not actually a long journey, very short journey. Let me just show you a quick map of this so you have a visual of where this took place, if we can put the map up. Yeah, so this is the Sea of Galilee. And so the Scripture says that he was somewhere in this area where it was a desolate place. That's where he fed the 5,000. And now he asked them to get on a boat and cross kind of this little bay over to the area of Bethsaida. So you can tell, very short distance, 45 minutes to an hour, something like that. It's not, not a very long journey. But listen to what happens as they start this journey. Listen to what happens next. It says, and when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the, what? For the wind was against them. And it was about the fourth watch of the night. Now, pause right there for a moment because in those times, uh, they divided the night into four different watches. And so the fourth watch is between the hours of 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. That's the time. Now, notice, they left about 6 or 7 p.m. at night. And right now, it's almost 4, 5, 6 in the morning, which means they've been on the boat for about 10 hours. And family, the reason that this short journey became a long journey was because they encountered a windstorm along the way. Now, windstorms at sea could be very dangerous because what can kill you at sea is not rain. You know, it can rain all at once out when you're on a boat 
and nothing's going to happen to you. But the moment there's wind and waves are being created by the wind, that's when there's an issue. It could actually kill you. In fact, the words here in the original text to describe these winds have the, the thought of a distressing or a vexing wind. So this is a powerful, powerful storm they encounter in this, in this journey. And family, this was such a strong storm that it veers them off course to the point that the Gospel of John says that they were three to four miles off the coast. So let me just show you now where this windstorm has taken them. So notice, they were just supposed to cross this bay. Folks, somewhere along this line, there was a huge windstorm and has taken them out to the middle, about three or four miles out from the coast. And so you can imagine, at this point, listen, they are far from land. They are in deep sea, right? They are surrounded by all black. It's all dark. It's stormy. There's wind. And folks, listen, they cannot control the situations that, that's going right now. And so because they cannot control what's happening, fear starts to invade their heart. And perhaps you're sitting here today. You may not be out in the middle of the sea, in the middle of the night, in the Sea of Galilee, but maybe you're going through a storm in your life right now. Maybe there's something happening in your life that you feel you cannot control the circumstances and fear has begun to invade your heart. So the question that I have for you today is this. Listen, what do you fear? In your life. It's about how old you are. What do you fear in life? You know, some of us may fear remaining single for the rest of our lives. They see everyone getting married around them, having a family. And maybe you fear not being able to find that person in your life. Maybe perhaps you fear about losing a job or your finances, not being able to pay the mortgage. Maybe you own a business, maybe you own a practice, and you see, you see the, that income coming down, and you're fearful because you cannot control the future of your company, the future of your business, the future of your employment. Some of us maybe fear things with our children. And the reality is many of us have children, we have grandchildren, and you know how it is, we love them so much. And sometimes we fear that something could happen to them, something could, could happen to their health, to their physical well-being at school. And so we, we fear things about our children. Maybe for you it's a health issue. Maybe you've been diagnosed with an illness, cancer, maybe someone you love, a parent, a grandparent. And you fear, you don't know what's going to happen in that specific situation. Maybe you were a student, because fear invades all of our age, you know, all ages. Maybe you're a student right now, and you fear not being accepted at school. You fear not fitting in with a crowd. You fear being made fun of. And you see how it works, family? Listen, it doesn't matter how old we are. I said, we all have fears, don't we? And, and you know what happens? Here's the thing about fear. It highlights how truly powerless we really are, doesn't it? You know, when you experience fear, you start really experiencing how really you have no control of so many things in your life. And so these men who were out in the middle of the sea in this storm 
were overwhelmed by fear because they could not control the circumstances. And so, folks, God, the Lord is going to use this opportunity to show his disciples and to show you and I today. Listen, that when it feels like we don't have control of things and we don't, he has control. Amen? Man, the Lord is the one who is in control. So here's how he shows them. Write this down as big number two. Miracles proved that Jesus had control over how many things? Over all things. Amen? In fact, listen to what happens next in the passage. And it says, and about the fourth watch of the night, four or five in the morning, he came to them walking on the sea. And he meant to pass by them. Actually, in the original text, it doesn't imply that he was going to just walk by them, but he was coming beside their boat. That's what the, in the original text was what what trying, trying to communicate. But then it says, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was what? A ghost. And they cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. Now, folks, this is important because in those days, Whenever you feared something, if you ever saw a ghost in the traditions of that time, that meant that your worst fear was going to take place. And so when these disciples were out in the middle of the sea, in the middle of the storm, in the dark stormy sea, they could not see anything. They're fearing for their life. They're fearing that they won't see their family again. When they saw this ghost, in their mind, they're thinking, we're done. This is it. We are going down. This is the end of our life. And so that's what they cried out. And so listen to what happens next. It says, but immediately he spoke to them and said, take heart, take heart. It is I. Do not be what, family? Do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them. And the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded. So family, notice, in a moment in their life where they felt they had no control over their circumstances, and therefore fear had overwhelmed their heart, Jesus used his opportunity to show them that he had control over all things. And here's the first aspect of his control. Write this down as letter A. Jesus controls the physical universe. Now notice, Jesus here is going to show them that he has control over the physical world. To the degree that not only is he going to make this windstorm cease, but that he can also defy the laws of physics at his will. He can suspend the laws of physics at his will. And family, remember who Jesus is. Listen, Colossians chapter 1 says this, that all things were created through him and for him, and in him, in Christ, all things, what? They hold together. And then the book of Hebrews says this, that he upholds the what? The universe. Jesus upholds the universe by the word of his power. In other words, not only is every atom in this universe, listen, sustained and guided by Christ, but listen, every circumstance, every physical circumstance in your life and in my life, listen, Jesus is in complete and utter control. There's nothing outside of his sovereignty, which means that every single time you get a flat tire, every single time you have a leak in the roof, every single time there's a delay on that flight, 
Every single time that you see a bird flying in the middle of the forest, every single fish in the ocean, even when you open a can of soda, you know when you open a can of soda and you pour it and there's bubbles, right, the carbonation? Listen, Jesus is even in control of even the number of bubbles that come out of that can of soda. You see, folks, listen, it is to that degree that Jesus controls and upholds all things in this universe. But also, write this down as letter B. Jesus also controls every human decision. In fact, listen to what God's Word says in the book of Proverbs. He says this. It says, the lot is cast into the lap, right? A way of making decisions in the old days. But notice, but it's every decision that is from what? But it's from the Lord. Every decision is from the Lord. And then Proverbs 21 says, the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. And notice carefully, he turns it wherever he wills. In other words, family, listen, from the lowliest of people to the highest position in the land, it doesn't matter who you are, what Scripture shows us, that God and his sovereign power is the one who's guiding every decision throughout the history of humanity. That is why in Ephesians chapter 1, it says that he works all things according to the counsel of his will. Everything that takes place is happening according to the counsel of his will. And folks, we have to remind, remind ourselves that, especially when others make decisions that pertains our life. I'm going to give you a quick example of this. Just recently, I had a good friend of mine that he was let go due to corporate downsizing. And you can imagine, he was discouraged and it took him by surprise. So he came over to my house and we were just kind of talking through it all. And I had to remind him. Listen, that when those corporate executives, right, had a huge board and they had all the names of all these employees and they took that red marker and they went and they were trying to decide who they were going to let go and put an X over that name. I have to remind them, listen, that was, didn't happen up to chance. God sovereignly in his power for his infinite wisdom allowed them, made them take your name off of that. And folks, here's what I want to help them understand. I want to help them understand that what happened was not just a coincidence. God was behind it. God is doing something. Which means that in your life, when someone makes a decision that affects your life, you know, sometimes we can feel like we're powerless, that God cannot do anything, that God hasn't intervened. But listen carefully, church family. Every decision is guided by God. Everything that takes place in this universe is not without from the reach of our sovereign creator. Amen? That's the God we serve. And family, the reason that I will always remind you of who the Lord is, of his sovereignty over your life, is because the more that you understand who Jesus is, and the far-reaching control of his sovereignty, this is what happens. Write this down as big number three. Understanding Jesus' control leads us to trust him. It leads us to trust him. In other words, to the degree that you understand how much Jesus truly is in control, to that degree you will trust him. 
Or to put another way, your level of fear always reveals your level of trust. Let me say that again. Listen, if you're a child of God, your level of fear will always be an indicator of your level of trust. In fact, let me just give you a quick visual of what happens in our heart, right, when we are wrestling with this thing called fear. Let me show you this little graphic right here. So imagine that in every one of our hearts, we have a fear barometer, so to speak. And here's what happens. Part of our heart is trusting the Lord, right? We're faithful. We, we know he's in control. And part of our heart fears. And so here's what happens. In our lives, the moment that fear starts to really overtake our heart, you'll see what happens. Fear starts to dominate our heart. And what happens here with the trust? We have a low level of trust. And so the more that we allow fear, right, we don't have control of things. So fear brings our heart and we're not trusting the Lord. But here's what happens. The moment that you put your trust in Christ, right, that you trust him, here's what happens, right? Fear starts to diminish. And family, listen, it, here's what I want you to understand. It's impossible for someone to say, I am filled with fear in my heart but I am fully trusting God. They're opposites, right? Either you fear or you're trusting the Lord. And so my hope as I show you this is that in your own personal life, the moment that you start feeling that fear of fear, doesn't matter how old you are, let that be a reminder, almost like a check engine light in your heart, that maybe you're not trusting the Lord in that specific area in your life. You see how that works? Because the more that we're able to determine what's happening in the heart, we can take the right steps. And, and let me say this about fear, because I think it's important for us to understand and be realistic about fear. It is normal for in your heart and in my heart for us to experience fear. It's part of the, of the fallen human condition. But what is not okay is for you to stay in that fear. See, this is why King David says this in Psalms 56. It says, when I am afraid. Notice, it doesn't say, if I'm ever afraid. Uh-uh. It says, when I'm afraid. What's the next phrase? I put my trust in the Lord. See, when fear starts to overwhelm my heart, I put my trust in God. And so you're probably thinking, Omar, I get the whole deal. I get the whole fear and trust. I get it. But what are some practical steps that I could take to really overcome fear and trust God? Well, write this down as letter A. The first step is to trust him by remembering his goodness. His goodness towards you. Listen to what God's word says in Romans chapter 8. It says that, and we know that for those who love God, some things work together for good. What? What is it? All things. For those who love God, to those who are his children, all things, everything that happens in your life is working out for your good to those who are called according to his purpose. 
In other words, listen, whatever happens in your life, whatever you're fearing, the first step in trusting the Lord is that whatever's going to happen sovereignly by the hand of God, God is working synergistically for your absolute best. Even in those painful moments, listen, you got to trust that the Lord eventually is going to work things out for my best. And you know, if we can be real and honest with each other, how many nights have we lost sleep worrying about things? We spend nights and nights, it's happened to you and it's happened to me. We stay up at night, we wake up in the middle of the night, we can't go back to sleep, we're fearing, we're concerned about things that we cannot control. When we have a Heavenly Father who's promised us that He has everything under control and that He's working out everything for our absolute best. Amen, family? And then that is the God that we serve. And here's the second step. Write this down as letter B. Second thing is that we need to trust Him by walking in obedience. Now, here's what's interesting. The Gospel of Matthew actually expands a little more of what happens in this scene. You know, something happens between the moment that, that Jesus appears in the middle of all that dark and stormy sea and from the moment that he gets in the boat. And so we're going to leave the Gospel of Mark for just a few moments, and let's go to the Gospel of Matthew to see what happens in that scene. Listen to what, what it says next. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, what's the next phrase? Uh, a little louder. Command. If it is you, Lord, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water, and he came to Jesus. Now, I know there's a passage that many of us know, but here's the reality of it. There's something special that takes place because Peter says, listen, I'm in the middle of an unknown situation. I cannot understand what's happening and the fact that you're there, but Jesus, command me to walk to you. In other words, I don't want to be do anything in my life that is not according to your word, that is not according to your thoughts. And folks, listen, when fear starts gripping our hearts, your heart, my heart, we need to be sure that we stay, that we stay walking in obedience. And we obey him. You know, going back to the Old Testament, Joshua was the leader who took over Joseph before they entered into the promised land. And before they entered into that land, listen, this was a dangerous, scary, fearful situation. They didn't know the land. They didn't know the people. They didn't know what was going to happen. But listen to what God tells Joshua when he begins to fear. Listen to what it says in Joshua 1.9. It says, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, and do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Do you love that verse? You know what? Many of us put that on our social media. We love quoting that verse, but you know what oftentimes is not quoted? The verse right before that. You want to read it with me? It says this. God tells him right before to not fear. It says, and the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, 
so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. In other words, as you enter into this moment of uncertainty, Joshua, make sure that you know my word. Make sure that you obey my words. Make sure that you don't go and deviate from my counsel. And family, listen, for us, it's very practical too. Because if you're fearing staying single forever, don't get to a point where you disobey God, start dating people who do not love the Lord, who are not believers, and compromise your purity. Listen, if you're afraid of your finances, don't start cutting corners. Don't start handling your money in a way that dishonors God. Stay obedient. Stay trusting in Him. If you're a student and you're afraid that your classmates are gonna, not going to accept you and going to make fun of you, listen carefully. Do not give in to the peer pressure. Listen, stay according to God's Word because oftentimes what happens is When we are fearful and we cannot control the circumstances, when we disobey God, it's almost like we're saying, no, we got to control things and we got to influence what we fear. But you know what happens? We still can't control it. And if you think about your own life, think about this. Many of the mistakes that you've made in your life have been in those moments of fear when you took matters into your own hands. Why? You feared and you disobeyed God. But you see, family, listen, if we're going to obey, if we're going to trust him, not only do we have to obey him, but we also write this down as letter C, we need to trust him by not focusing on your circumstances. In fact, listen to what happens next. It says, but when he saw the wind, he was what? He was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, what? Save me. See, and I love that because what Peter is teaching us there, that the moment that he took his eyes off of Jesus and he focused on the uncertain circumstances around him, at that moment he began to sink. And family, listen, when you and I, when in our lives, when we take our eyes off of Jesus and we start focusing so much on the things we fear, we, get, we, we begin to sink in our faith. So sometimes if we focus so much in our singleness, we're going to start fearing. If you focus all of your life on your finances, you're going to fear. If you focus all of your life on your health, you're going to fear. And so there has to be a moment where the child of God stops looking at everything going on around you and you start putting your eyes on the Lord. Amen? Amen. Here's the thing, though. Even though Peter, listen, was trying to do his best, there was a moment, right, where he took his eyes off and he began to sink. And I love this. Listen to what happens next. It says, and Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took a hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. You know what I love about that? That even when we in our life, when we become faithless, the Lord is still faithful. And when he sees his children start to sink in their fear, 
the Lord is faithful. He said, no, 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 no. Come here. Why are you fearing? Come. And he has a way of sustaining us as we're drowning in our fears, right? The Lord will never let us go. The Lord is always there. Even when we're faithless, he remains faithful. And you'll let me end with this. You know, going back to my story with my dad in London, you know, like I mentioned, I would lay down in bed and I was just overwhelmed with fear. At some point in the night, the Lord would hear, uh, my dad would hear me. And when he knew that I was drowning in my fear, he would come to me. He would sit right, ne- sit right next to me and just talk to me. And just his mere presence just sustained me in those moments of fear. And family, isn't that exactly what our Heavenly Father does? Listen, when we feel like we are drowning in our fear and that we are just being overwhelmed, the Lord says, no, my son, my daughter, no. Come on. Why did you doubt? I have everything under control. Family, that's the God we serve. A God who saves us even when we're faithless. He remains faithful. Amen. That's when we enter into our lives. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what circumstances you're going through right now. Listen, he's worthy of your trust. Trust him by walking in obedience, right? Trust him by remembering his goodness and trust him, listen, by not focusing on the circumstances. But maybe you're here today and you're watching and the reality is is that you've been hearing how the Lord is so good and faithful to his children, but you realize that you don't have a relationship with God. And you're wondering, Omar, how can I have that relationship with the Lord? I know of God. I don't think I know God. I don't have that relationship I see people here having. So how can I start a personal relationship with the Lord? Was it the answer is not by coming to church and sitting down or watching on right now? You know, the answer is not by being a good moral person. The answer is not by doing some sort of ritual that you did when you were a child. Listen, none of those things help you start a relationship with Christ. The only way is very simple. is by putting your faith and your trust in him. The Bible says that when you come before him and you put your trust in his life, death, and resurrection, the Bible says that he forgives you of all of your sins. He gives you everlasting life. And something special happens. He then makes you his son and daughter. And for the rest of your life, he will be with you. Even when you're drowning, he will be with you. He will let you go. But there has to come a point that you trust him. There has to come a point that you come to him in faith. So that's you. Wherever you're watching, I want to lead you through a prayer. And I always remind you, listen, when you pray this, I'm just helping you talk to God. Do not pray to me. I'm simply a man. I cannot do anything for you. But you pray to the Lord who's listening right now, who died for you. And he wants a relationship with you. So if that's you at all heads and all campuses, go ahead and bow your heads, bow your, close your eyes. And if you already have a relationship with Christ, I want to encourage you, pray for those right now who are praying that prayer. This is a moment for you to pray for them as well. So if that's you, pray this with me. Father, today I realize how good you are. I've been alone in this life, in the storms of this life, and I don't have you. So today I come before you, O Lord. I confess my sin. I put my trust in you, O Lord. 
and I ask you to give, to give me everlasting life, O oh Lord. And Father, today make me your son, make me your daughter. So for the rest of my life, I know that through the good and the bad times, you'll be there for me. So Father, help me, O oh God, and help me to live a life that honors you. I love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And all of God's people say it. Amen.